coming up on Stu Does America. Authorities in Canada have arrested and held a pastor for breaking COVID violations with his congregation. How long before that becomes the norm down here in the States? First Liberty Institute's Jeremy Dice joins us in studio to discuss the future of coronavirus mandates and its effect on personal liberty. And another Simpsons voice actor joins Hank Azaria in losing a decades-old voice acting role due to cancel culture and the fact that everything is racist. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Be sure to subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel and our podcast. Watch us completely free. Head to studosamerica.com to find links and watch the show for nothing. Mm -hmm. It's that good. Or get access to everything the network offers with your own subscription to Blaze TV. Just head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid, stupid show. And for the rest of the week, the rest of the week only, you'll get 30 bucks off your subscription. Do it now. What are you waiting for? We are all victims this year of the physical, emotional, and mental abuse of the coronavirus. Every single person in this country has been affected in some way by this nonsense, and yet we still can't seem to get rid of it. What if I were to tell you that the way to recover from the virus is here, right now, right this second, and we can utilize it? Let's do the answer to COVID. Stu does America. Hello and welcome to Stu Does America. I'm your host, Stu Bergeer, the single most pro-vaccine person in America. Yes. I want Pfizer and Moderna in this arm, and then I want Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca in this arm. And for the fun of it, I might just inject the vaccine from the Wuhan Institute of Virology into my ass cheek, which I'm pretty sure is made out of liquid COVID-19, and then see if the other vaccines can win a land war against it. I am that pro-vaccine. I get that you might not be as 1,000% pro-vaccine as I am, and that's fine. I don't want anyone from the government forcing you to take one. You're an adult. You make your choice on that. But if you're not using it, can I have your doses to double up? Just asking. Even people who don't really want to take this vaccine or some others usually will agree that, generally speaking, vaccines are modern miracles. I feel uh, that it's very unlikely I'm going to pull down smallpox or polio this afternoon, and I have vaccines to thank for that. Read Matt Ridley's great book, uh, How Innovation Works, to see how vaccines are actually a story of going against scientific consensus and quote-unquote regular people upending all of medicine for generations to come for the better. There's a bunch of polls out there about the vaccine, but they all show kind of approximately the same thing. About 40% of people are sort of like me, ready to jam every needle they can find into their arms. About 30% say that they're open to taking it, but uh, you know, let me stay here at the back of the line and see if everyone else develops a weird rash or a second head or just spontaneously combusts before I start taking it. In other words, let me wait a couple months and see what happens. First, I get that. Then there's about 20% who say they won't get it, but they might if they have to, if they're forced to for work or if someone triple dog dares them. And finally, of course, there's the last 10% who say, hell no, get your devil needles away from me. Again, it's my view that no one should be forced to take a vaccine that they don't want to take. But we have arrived at a moment where the sort of nonsensical rhetoric from the government on this stuff is starting to do real damage. Everywhere you look, you get messaging from the media, politicians, and public health officials like Dr. Fauci telling us that vaccines or not, we might have to wear masks until the year 2093. 
This is freaking insane. I oppose government mandates on the grounds of personal liberty. But everyone in America is dealing with restrictions which vary widely depending on where you live. To tell these people that they can get a vaccine, which is somewhere near 95% effective, and then tell them they still can't live their lives is borderline mental abuse. Everywhere in the media you see disclaimers highlighted like they're the main story. Is it possible to get COVID after being vaccinated? Is it possible to get COVID if you've already had it? Lots of things are possible, but once you are vaccinated or you've had the virus, there is, and listen to me closely here, and I want you to hear this, there is no freaking reason to do anything other than return to life as normal. Well, you might not you might not get COVID, but you might be able to spread it just like getting COVID twice. Yes, there is that bajillion to one shot that that can happen, but it is incredibly unlikely. The first study from Israel on the Pfizer vaccine is out and it is about 90 percent effective in preventing transmission. If you have either had the virus already or if you get the vaccination and wait a couple of weeks until it's effective, listen to me closely. There is no reason, no reason to do anything other than return to life as normal. Of course, maybe your life as normal sucked. Can't answer for that, but you can change your life for other reasons. However you'd like. This is America after all. But your risk of covid no longer demands your attention. That's what's great about this. What's unique about a pandemic situation is not that people die. People die all the time. The year-long death count from the real ramp-up of the pandemic is going to be right around the levels of heart disease in this country. Obviously, we accept heart disease as a risk of living. Cheeseburgers, pizza, ice cream are the price of admission. And many of us mm -hmm, choose to go down that long, dark road. But COVID has hit tens of millions of people who tried to avoid getting it. They didn't get the enjoyment of the constant ice cream and they still get the crappy disease. It happens to people who did nothing to get it and have no real way of avoiding it. So I don't know. We've got this COVID thing. Let's get rid of it. The magic juice is entering the syringe as we speak. Now, I know the tough guy talk show host thing to do is to say, just open it up. But while this feels good to say, the economy doesn't rage back to life with this approach. It hasn't worked anywhere it's been tried. Neither have lockdowns, by the way. The only thing that works with COVID is not having COVID. Yes, restaurants and bars want to open up. But ask the restaurant owner who was surviving on a 4% profit margin before COVID how well they're going to do without Democrats or old people. Opening up the economy means everyone is back at it, sucking down cheeseburgers, pizzas, and ice cream, and then eventually causing a dignified death from heart disease. That's the America I want back. That's why I'm introducing my new movement, Freedom Through Needles. Yes. Once the vaccine is available to anyone who wants to get it, there is, and listen to me closely, absolutely no reason to have any restrictions, either through the government or personally. Right now, the people most against the restrictions seem to also be most against the vaccine. Well, where does that leave us? Yeah, we can open it up and let it fly. And on personal liberty grounds, I can get into that. 
But there are a lot of people who saw people they love die and get hospitalized, and they are not going to play that game. Israel has all sorts of rules that we don't want and with our constitution couldn't have. But generally speaking, they're telling their people, hey, get the vaccine and then you won't hear from us again. How about that? We need more of that in this country. Our media and government should be telling people that instead of writing about every one in a million reason to continue hiding in our homes. How many of you would get the vaccine just to never hear from Anthony Fauci again? I know you people. You'd love that. This has been a massive screw up since the beginning of the pandemic, as The New York Times has even been calling it lately. COVID absolutism, quote, in a public health emergency, absolutism is a very tempting response. People should cease all behavior that creates additional risk. People continue to scream at joggers and walkers and cyclists who are not wearing masks. There are two big questions to ask about these actions. How much are they doing to reduce the spread of the virus? And do they have any downside? The answer to the first question, according to many experts, is they seem to do little good. Prohibiting outdoor activity is unlikely to reduce the spread of the virus, nor is urging people to always uh, always to wear a mask outdoors. Worldwide, scientists and listen to this, scientists have not documented any instances of outdoor transmission unless people were in close conversation. Any instances Banning college students from outdoor walks won't make them stay inside their dorm rooms for weeks on end, but it probably will increase the chances they surreptitiously gather indoors. Yes, yes, yes. For the better part of a year, we were forced to argue about how to exist with COVID. Do we all hide in our individual bunkers and never interact with another human being again? Or do we just let it fly and hope grandpa is one of the lucky old people still standing when we hit herd immunity? Well, we don't need to make that choice anymore. We are weeks away from the vaccine being widely available to everyone above 16 years old. After that, you choose whether you take it. And you know what? Honestly, if you don't, that's on you. You take the risk, just like I take the risk with pizza and ice cream. The three most hated things in the universe. Yes, capitalism, big pharma, and the Trump administration all came together and brought us these vaccines. They are here. We have an off-ramp now. Freedom through needles. Embrace the jab. The good thing is, if something goes wrong, we can keep the Freedom Through Needles logo and just transfer our efforts over to heroin. That should solve all of our problems. So let's say you have a home and um, suddenly water starts pouring through your roof for no particular reason. um, Because, I don't know, maybe you moved somewhere warm and all of a sudden it was negative two degrees. I don't know, something like that. Let's say maybe you're thinking, I didn't move far enough south. Maybe I need to keep going. Maybe the people of Dallas would be happy if I kept going. Well, Real Estate Agents I Trust is a company that you can call. Well, actually, you're going to go on their website. And you're going to get in touch with the best real estate agent in whatever area you want to go to. Glenn uh, started this company years ago because he wanted to make sure that people could find the best real estate agent. And honestly, let me be honest with you. He started it because he wanted to find the best real estate agent. You know, 
I mean, I'm sure he wants you to also find the best real estate agent, but he was pissed off at his own experience. And, you know, that whole necessity breeds innovation thing. That's what happened here. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the best real estate agent in your area, whether you're buying a home, whether you're selling a home, whether you're just really annoyed uh, at your home because there's been water leaking into it and now you have an indoor pool. You don't need that. Don't need to deal with that. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You know, normally when you almost murder someone, they will not come back on your show. However, Jeremy Dice is here. He is the special counsel for the First Liberty Institute, as well as being the host of the First Liberty Briefing. Uh, it's a podcast. you got to check that out. Jeremy, thanks for coming back in. Thanks for having me. I just about created a Stuber Gear is awful mug myself, <laughs> but uh, thankfully you brought me back on. We're all set. Yes, Jeremy was actually the guest on the program Um Minutes after interviewing him, I got a call from my wife saying uh, she tested positive for or she was on her way to test positive for COVID. We went later, found out and I did have it. So I had to give uh, Jeremy the awkward phone call of like, hey, buddy, you know, that global <laughs> pandemic, you might have it. <laughs> That's always a fun one to do. I, I will tell you. Thankfully, we survived. You did. Okay. Uh, you did. OK. Um, you have uh, been very, very much uh, involved in the last year and the fight against um, uh, our rights not evaporating because of the pandemic. It's a serious thing. We can understand why you don't want to spread it. On the other hand, the Constitution doesn't just stop when we have problems. In fact, it's designed for times when you do have problems. Exactly right. I mean, it's not like 2020 got a doctor's note from the Constitution saying, yeah, we're going to take this year <laughs> off, right? I mean, yeah. it was still in effect and the First Amendment still governed during that time. But I, I think so many governors tried to kind of vie for the title of who's going to be the first one to destroy the First Amendment the most that day, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've had Governor Cuomo. I, I don't need to add to what you've already said about mm -hmm. him. The, the mug probably says it all. <laughs> He's certainly done his thing in New York, and we've represented churches up in New York, upstate New York, that have had shutdowns. You've had, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mayor de Blasio, who, who maybe get his own mug at some point. You really could get Saying, one, yeah. look, uh, uh, you guys can't, uh, Orthodox Jews can't walk in the streets and, and, and uh, celebrate, uh, remember a, a beloved rabbi who died at a funeral. But, you know, he can link arms with everybody without a mask on and walked right through Times Square uh, protesting whatever they want to protest that week. Uh, and then you go across the nation. Governor Bashir has been uh, instituting all kinds of lockdowns during the, the COVID thing and all kinds of trouble for churches and, and other houses of worship. Governor Pritzker in Illinois. Uh, and then, of course, Governor Newsom in California. <laughs> you know, it's the, the two coasts there have really uh, taken a lot of uh, effort to shut down houses of worship. You can't meet for the high holidays for lunches or, or dinners during those ho uh, holy celebrations. Uh, but he can eat at the what is the French laundromat or whatever it's called there with his best <laughs> friends uh, as long as he wants to. Now, I think Americans are just tired of the hypocrisy mm -hmm. and, and want to return to normalcy, whatever that will look like in the future, uh, and at least be reminded that there is still this thing called the First Amendment. And it hasn't taken the time off. It still is applicable right now. The French laundromat is the drive through restaurant next to the French, French laundry. Oh, I that's understand. what it is. That's I got it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, it's interesting because I think I've, I've developed a new, I've already was very much uh, appreciative of the founders for uh, coming up with the First Amendment. But like, I've come up with a new appreciation for it recently because of this time, right? You know, you see, we have an argument to make. We can, we can ha call people like you and say, hey, they've shut my church down, please come help us. And we have an argument. In Canada, in other, in Canada is a relatively free country, a fun place to visit, a, I'm sure a, a nice place to live in, in many respects. But like, they don't have an argument. There's a pastor there. Um, it's uh, Pastor James Coates of uh, Grace Life Church in Parkland County, located west of Edmonton. And his story has been 
terrifying. I mean, he's he he said, I, I got to have my service. I'm going to have it. It's what I'm supposed to do. It's what I believe is the right thing to do. Come find me. Come arrest me. And they did. It's remarkable here that someone has been arrested for simply engaging in what we would know as the free exercise of religion in this country. Um, and that look, I, I'm all for reasonable precautions. I, I'm all yeah. for people taking smart measures of social distancing. If you want to wear a mask, by all means, go ahead and do so. If you want to wear 25 like you've got over there, go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, when we are sitting down now and actually arresting people for doing what is otherwise a human right, I mean, even the UN Declaration talks about that as a human right for the free exercise of religion. Uh, but yet we're, we're, we're going to put people in jail for this. Uh, I, thankfully, that never came that way in this country. And, and I'm glad for at least that. But at the same time, as we've seen here recently with the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, just on February 5th, they, they issued another opinion in the, the, the case out in California. And Justice Gorsuch, I think, put it very well, said, look, the, the governors have been saying that freedom always lies just around the corner. Well, at some point, and this is in his words, but at some point, that's just a that's just a, a lie to keep you going further down the road. Mm -hmm. Sometime, at some point, temporary becomes permanent, uh, and so temporary restrictions on our liberty. I think we can all understand. I think you and I discussed this right after the lockdowns went in place. Yeah. We can understand temporary, but we're coming up on what 365 days of 14 days to slow the spread. I mean, it, it's at some point beyond the point of reasonableness, uh, and we've got to get back to these these principles that we hold so near and dear to our hearts of of the things that actually are the foundation stone for freedom, and that being religious liberty is the first one of them all. Yeah, let's, go, let's take a minute and go back to that conversation. The first one we had uh, after the pandemic, it was March or April, it was very early on. And I was very much on the kick of like, there is, they can't do anything. They cannot shut these churches down for any reason, basically. Um, and ever since then, after having that conversation with you, I've, I've quoted you, uh, or probably misquoted it terribly. People have terrible impressions of you now all across the country. But tried to summarize what your answer was to that. And the way I kind of talk about it is that you said, basically, there's a very limited possibility to have limited restrictions for a very limited time. Mm -hmm. There's that room within the constitutional framework. Can you talk about that again so I can at least quote you more no, accurately? No, that, that's actually fairly, fairly good. I mean, saying that it was limited by all means. Yeah, absolutely. It was limited. They can have, as long as they apply those equally across the board as they okay. do it for a short period of time, I think the Constitution is going to smile on that. The problem that we ran into so often was how inequitable that these applications were being put out there mm. and then getting judges to realize, wait a minute, this is not not just not equitable, it's inequitable and it's also not temporary. And, and those are the things that we've been struggling now with for uh, you know, almost a year solid right now. So you've had, um, you know, as many people as you want to gather in the parking lots of a Walmart and a Home Depot, but they told us that they couldn't gather in a church parking lot inside their car with the windows rolled up. Uh, that's inequitable, and that is highly hypocritical, not to mention uh, unconstitutional, and we are able to call them on that, and we won. Uh, we had the same situation happen in upstate New York with, uh, with churches being able to meet, uh, or I'm sorry, you could gather with 100,000 people if you could cram them all in there, apparently, in Home Depot in the plumbing section, Maybe you could have church there, but you couldn't do that within a church parking lot. And then it moved to the outside. Could you do church outside? Well, now we know that the virus is more or less not communicable yeah. outside. But at a time they were saying, no, you couldn't even gather in groups of five or more or 10. I mean, even the 12 disciples couldn't meet under those conditions outside, <laughs> yeah. right? 
Uh, and you kept on going to uh, schools. We're still, we're just now seeing schools reopen in person for public schools. But in the August, we had to send letters to a, a county in South Texas saying, wait a minute, you don't get to decide when, when school, private religious schools reopen. That's up to them. Those are hmm. still private religious organizations. They can do so, and they're going to do so following the CDC guidelines, which is what they should be doing, quite frankly. Uh, and, and then just as recently as, you know, this month, we were still seeing restrictions being pulled back by the state of California, who still only allows you to have 25% or less. So you could have um, uh, 13,000 square feet or whatever. Uh, it could be a theater and you could have the masked singer being recorded over there, but you couldn't have masked singers inside of a church building of the same size. That makes zero sense to me whatsoever. And what the Supreme Court keeps on saying is at some point, this is less temporary. It is more permanent. And we can't allow that the Constitution holds no quarter for that whatsoever. You can't put freedom just out of reach of the people. Mm. I, one of the things I've been uh, thinking as all of this goes on, how, you know, they used to say like location, location, location when you're putting a business somewhere. How important that is in a situation like this. Like if you can live in a country that has a First Amendment, uh, you want to live in a country with a First Amendment. The same thing with between the split between blue and red states. I mean, I have a real tough time relating to my friends who live in California and New York. They have are living a completely different life than I'm living. And, um, you know, and, and even to the point of like public school to private school, my kids were in school in person August 13th and have been in every single day for the exception of the week that I <laughs> had COVID. Um, they've been in every single time soon. They haven't they haven't uh, stopped school at all the entire time. Um, you see this in, in Kentucky is a great example of this. You know, you have this idea and I've had many of these frustrations where like I have a Republican that I find to be crappy. The people of Kentucky for whatever reason, didn't like Matt Bevin as much as I liked him. I thought he was pretty good. Um, but, you know, they, they wound up going with a Democrat. So this red state has got this Democratic governor. And look at the price they're paying. They are li just this one election has turned them into almost New York in a lot of ways. Yeah, and thank goodness they have Daniel Cameron in the AG's office over there who's <laughs> yeah. been able to hold yeah. his governor accountable. Yes. Uh, governor Bashir has been uh, a very difficult. And I think we've sued him at least three different times in the course <laughs> of the last year. People hate seeing your name on their on their caller ID. Thankfully. Like, yeah. Jeremy, Di oh, jeez. It's yeah. Jeremy Dice. Thank goodness First Liberty Institute is, is filing another lawsuit here. But it started with the city of Louisville on Good Friday of last year. As a matter of fact, we filed a lawsuit against the city because they wouldn't allow drive-in church services. It was the day before Easter on a Saturday that Judge Justin Walker issued his opinion saying, look, you're, you're allowing people to park at the liquor store, but you won't allow them to park at the church. This makes no sense. That one's yeah. done with. And they're able to. What was amazing to me is how many times we would file or almost file a lawsuit. And we, we think maybe the governor's office got word that we're about to file a lawsuit one or two times. And and then all of a sudden the restrictions would change. And we saw this happen in, in uh, Kentucky. We saw it happen in Illinois and elsewhere where there was a lawsuit that was pending and about to be appealed to the Supreme Court. And all of a sudden, I mean, like that, the governor would change his position on things uh, and open up things to, to be more free. I mean, one minute it was you're going to kill grandma. And the next minute we're all about freedom. Amazing and all it works. took was a lawsuit to make that change, not the science. No, science didn't change. The lawsuits don't change the science. It's not the way that works. Um, how much better would this have gone with a different approach? I'm really stuck on this one thing. I talked about it in the monologue. This COVID absolutism. You know, if you tell people they can't go outside, they can't exercise outside, they can't go to church outside, you're not stopping people from interacting with each other. They're just going to hide it. They're going to go in their little apartments and gather, and it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to actually get worse. I think that's what's happening in New York, where you see there's more restrictions in New York. There's more restrictions in California, but they have no better performance than Texas or Florida because people are, 
you know, I mean, people don't listen at that point. If we at the beginning would have said, seen this church in uh, Kentucky and said, guys, we're in the middle of a pandemic. What a great solution. Here we are. Like, we are so thrilled you guys are thought, thinking like this. To do this outside, it's a much better chance. There's a, you know, you guys can still gather. You can still worship as you please. And we don't have to restrict it at all. Just do your best to stay away from each other. Um, that would, I think, have inspired people in, in, in praising that sort of behavior. Instead, it was like, well, we're going to haul you off to prison if you try this stuff. And then, you know, at the end of the day, these restrictions really mean nothing. I mean, we're seeing in this out in all the, the mobility data. People just go where they want to go. Yeah, look, I, I think what we saw play out in real time was how little trust we have in freedom itself, mm -hmm. where there is a human tendency to want to be ruled. And so even even people that say that we want to have freedom as citizens, we're very eager to say, why isn't the government doing more for all these things? Well, that, that's that's the, the right human instinct, but it's the wrong long-term instinct. Yeah. We are better served if we are more free. And so I think as you and I have talked about, and if, you, if we haven't talked about it, we've talked about it separately, uh, that when we trust the people to make the right decision, they'll do it, right? We just need to give them the information. So we were looking to people in the government to say, what is the data here? Because, you know, obviously you and I, were not going to go and study this virus ourselves. We, we aren't that smart, for one thing, <laughs> nor do we want to get that close to it all. Mm -hmm. But people will study it, make the information available. Tell us what your best re recommendations are. And I think people will largely follow that. I, I think Texas is actually a pretty good example of that, right? Where we have more or less trusted the people to make wise decisions, right? Uh, I mean, I, every store I go to right now, people are still wearing masks, more or less. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, other well, states- Except for my wife. Yeah, and, my well, wife. she's a super citizen, having yeah, had it, so yeah. she's all right. Mm -hmm. But you know, in other states, they're wide open and that seems to have worked out okay. Yeah. Uh, but the bottom line, and Christy Noem is another great example of that in South Dakota, where she just said, we're gonna trust the people to mm -hmm. do what they need to do. That's what we call freedom, is allowing people to, to make individual choices based upon uh, the information that they have with the understanding that they have a responsibility one to another. Uh, and and I, if we had gone back, I wish we could go back now a year and, and kind of replay this whole thing, trusting people to exercise individual liberty with responsibility for everybody else. I agree with I, you I think conceptually, be a different but thing. I don't want to replay this year. Yeah, you know, amen. I, I don't want to go through it again. But you're right. I, I, I think, you know, uh, part of it is I don't think we've ever gone. It's been a long time since we've gone through this. You look at the way some of the Asian countries uh, dealt with this, which was not tons of, of mandates, not shutdowns. Um, and they they did a lot better than uh, a lot of the other countries did. But they had de just dealt with SARS. They had just dealt with some of these. And that may have been part of the, the reason why. Um, let me go back to the legal. Your, your, uh, your op-ed is uh, Governor's Face Constitutional Reality Check. We'll tweet it out from at Stu Does America. Uh, make sure people uh, get to read it. Um, one thing I come back to, though, is if you go back to like the days of FDR, right, where he is, he's got all these grandiose ideas, right? And he, he, he jams them all through. And then eventually the court comes through and says, none of this is constitutional. They overturn tons of, of his programs. I, I, I feel maybe it's just wishful thinking that this is, these things are going to wind their way through the court. And eventually we're going to have real understanding that you can't do these things next time. I understand it's not going to help us this time. Uh, you're, you've won a lot of lawsuits. You've protected a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of churches, a lot. You know, you've done this. You guys have been doing this since the beginning. So I know you've been on it. But like, is there a chance that some of these, even after the case, wind their way up to the Supreme Court and we get clarity that in a crisis, you can't just ban church 
that's not a thing that can happen next time. Yeah, no, I, I think it is. I think that is true. Uh, and, and part of the reason why we were handicapped this time in it is that we were relying on a case from back in uh, the late 1800s, mm-hmm. Jacobson versus Massachusetts. And, and that dealt with uh, a vaccination effort for smallpox. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, disease virtually eradicated right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it really dealt with different facts, but it, even it was not very clear about how long temporary can be. Okay. We've got a better understanding of that now. Uh, and having, well, I think we also have a couple of war wounds around us right now as well, right? We've, we've won some, we've lost some. We've won a whole lot more than we've lost. Uh, there's been a lot of no decisions based upon, you know, again, people just kind of pulling back once you get up to the, a certain level of, yeah. of litigation. But I, I, I think there is a stronger commitment today to religious liberty, spe- especially within the judiciary than there ever has been. And we've got Donald Trump to thank for that, quite frankly. Uh, there have been some great appointments to not only the, the lower level courts, but the Supreme Court, if you go back in 2020 and look at when things sort of changed, uh, Chief Justice Roberts was reluctant, I think, to to make many adjustments uh, or at least to, to allow uh, our arguments to be winning the day. He was very careful, to, in other words, to concede to the government, to the, uh, the executive's power to, to, to kind of regulate the situation until Amy, Amy Coney Barrett got on the bench. And then the balance of power sort of shifted a little bit up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, that, that's a good tale for us to remember how important judges are. We're gonna be talking a lot about that this coming year with the left pushing hard for what they call judicial reform, uh, which is going to be a very frightening battle to undertake. Uh, but it's kind of scary, but also important to remember our freedom is really just in the hands of nine judges right now. <laughs> right. And, and that's something we need to continue to defend. Right now, I think we're in a good place in terms of religious liberty. Yeah. Who knows what the future holds? And, and you, know, you could argue it's a 6-3 court. Uh, maybe it's a 5-4 court, the way Roberts is sometimes. Um, when it comes down to, to judges, this last last question for you. When it comes down to judges in this process, we all know, obviously, Biden's president now. But he's, mm-hmm. he's a razor, I mean, 50-50 in the Senate. He's got a, you know, I mean, all of the things he's going to try to pass, he's got bar- barely any room for any bill. But for, for justices and judges in particular, his r- margin for error is really small. I mean, to keep a Joe Manchin and a Kristen Sinema and, and whoever else you consider a moderate on the, on the Democratic side, it seems like those two names are the only ones ever brought up. Uh, how far can they go? I mean, can they, could they, they could get a Merrick Garland through this court, right? Who else, like, how, do they have to go moderate or can they get their left-wing justices through? I, you know, I think it all depends on Joe Manchin. I mean, I don't even think cinema comes that hard into it, although she does. But uh, where's Joe Manchin going to be on these issues? He's the most powerful man in Washington right now, quite yeah. frankly. Uh, Scary. It, we'll see where it goes. I mean, look, uh, I think Judge Garland uh, yeah, probably becomes attorney general. Um, I, I think that's going to present some significant challenges for religious liberty and free speech and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, we've seen what happened this week with the uh, OMB nominee. Uh, and it looks like that yeah. person is not going to make it through. Brandon, yeah. So there is clear examples, at least uh, there, there's a lot of history on this as well in terms of court packing and other things that would indicate that, uh, you know, one one senator can hold things up. Uh, and we've got to get to about two more years when the midterm elections come around. and We'll see what the Senate looks like after that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm eager for us to get to a point of, of exercising that most beautiful word in this country called gridlock, where no yes. laws get going forward at all. We need that and more we, than ever. We right allow now. the freedom to go forward as, as much as we can. I'm just This is just a recommendation. This is not a, you know, a, a constitutional recommendation from Jeremy Dice. I'm just saying if you happen to be a Republican senator, just keep pulling the fire alarm every day when you get in there. <laughs> just delay, delay, delay. Don't let any... <laughs> You didn't endorse this plan at all. Okay, I'll have to ask the other people at First Liberty Institute uh, if they agree with that plan. Jeremy Dice, uh, special counsel for First Liberty.
Institute, a host of First Liberty Briefing. Uh, it's a podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that. And thanks so much, Jeremy, for coming on the show. By the way, I do have a new pandemic disease that I did give you while you were here. So you're <laughs> very you're good. Welcome. Well, I did, too. So oh, congratulations. Good. Yeah. See, it's good. Sharing is caring. Back in a second. So, I mean, I feel like I'm a broken record these days. Uh, another actor has lost their gig voicing a cartoon because they're not the same color as the cartoon. That's, that's the story uh, today. Harry Shearer will no longer voice uh, uh, Dr. Hibbert. Uh, he's the black doctor, the actual competent doctor, by the way, on the show. It's like you have the really incompetent white doctor. I guess that's okay, but the competent black doctor... Not okay. He's not the voice of the competent, incompetent white doctor. He was only the voice of the competent black doctor. But that's not okay for Harry Shearer anymore. Um, people are kind of talking about this the same way they talked about Hank Azaria. Now, Hank Azaria is the other guy who voiced uh, Apu on The Simpsons. He stopped doing that relatively recently. We talked about this at the time. If you've ever seen Brockmire, you just don't believe that, Harry Sh- or that uh, Hank Azaria would stop doing something because it was too offensive. Like, it's just... I, don't think, I mean, I, I guess he felt pressured and he sort of stepped down. That's not exactly how this one reads here with Harry Shearer. Um, uh, and I kind of think that there's a good chance he didn't want this to happen. Why do I think that? Um, well, because he said after the Azaria thing happened last year, we covered it on this show in August of, of 2020. Um, Harry Shearer was asked about whether he was going to continue to voice Julius Hibbert on the show, the doctor. And he said, quote, I have a very simple belief about acting. The job of the actor is to play someone who they are not. That's the gig. That's the job description. Uh, He added that he would not be financially harmed by no longer doing doing Dr. Hibbert if they did make that decision because he is not, quote, paid by the voice, (laughs) which you'd you'd imagine that's uh, true. But again, he's sort of saying, like, of course, I'm, I'm not I'm not Dr. Hibbert. So I can't. Of course, I'm not him. That used to be the way it is. One interesting part about this, and this is a very bizarre a little uh, tweak here. Kevin Michael Richardson is the guy who's going to do the voice of Dr. Hibbert now. Um, he is a uh, talented guy, very well known as far as, you know, voicing cartoons. He's done stuff like this. In fact, he voiced a character on, fa- uh, uh, on the Cleveland show. The Cleveland show was a spinoff of Family Guy. Now, Coincidentally, uh, a guy, um, the guy who did the voice of Cleveland, um, he says he's not going to do that voice anymore because Cleveland is a black guy and he's a white guy. So he's not going to do that anymore. On the Cleveland show, this guy, Kevin Michael Richardson, voiced a white guy. His name was uh, Lester Crinklesack. That's neither here nor there. The point is, uh, this guy was voicing white guys. White guys are voicing black guys. It's just about whether you have a good, funny voice. It's not cartoon characters, guys, aren't real. They're not real people. They don't have real characteristics because they're not real. They're fictional, fake drawings. They're not, they're not people. Do, do we, does anyone understand this? Like, I can understand if you're like Muhammad Ali, played by... George Clooney. Okay, I get that that would be strange. I understand that. Though, 
I don't know. Is Alexander Hamilton black? I, I don't think so. The, the cast of Hamilton, I don't remember which ones. They, they had all sorts of, it was a very diverse looking founding fathers group uh, in that particular play. But I guess that doesn't matter. By the way, HBO Max has announced they have uh, six uh, films are on their uh, site uh, called, uh, that, are, that are Woody Allen movies. They're on HBO Max. They're just going to keep them up there and allow viewers to make their own informed decisions. So we can't have white people voicing black cartoon characters. We need a warning on the freaking Muppet show. But, yeah, this guy married his daughter and everything, but you can just watch his movies. And you can, you're smart enough to make up your mind on whether you think. I'm sure all the Roman, are, is Roman Polanski uh, well represented here? I hope he is. I mean, what's a little thing like statutory rape to do to get in the way of a good movie? I think we can all agree on that concept. At least we can all agree if you live in Hollywood. So during the snowpocalypse period here in the last week of Texas, um, you know, we were in our house. There's water pouring in through the ceiling and you have that helpless feeling. We could not get it shut off. It was not a uh, a valve I could control at the street. When I turned the water off, it didn't turn off. So I needed the town to come out to turn it off. And I sat there and I was like, there's this helpless feeling where like nobody's showing up. Where are these people? I know they're doing their best, but please get here fast. There's just water pouring into my apartment or my, my home. Um, if you happen to be uh, a person who, uh, who has felt that feeling before, you feel it even more in, in an emergency where maybe there's a major health problem or maybe um, you know, uh, someone needs the ambulance and it's just not there yet. It takes time. I think it's like average something like 37 minutes. You need to be prepared to take care of these things. Uh, and every American should have a bare first aid, uh, aid kit from Refuge Medical. Uh, it is guaranteed. Uh, for life. It exceeds military specification for individual first aid kits. It's used by military personnel in 14 countries. Uh, You can check out Refuge's first aid training dates as well. They do a lot of that stuff for you at refugemedical.com. Go to refugemedical.com. Get 15% off their first aid kits. This is the best in the business. You got to use the promo code STU while you're there to get that 15% off. Be sure to use that promo code STU because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus you get that 15% off. If we've learned one lesson this year, it's to be prepared for anything. RefugeMedical.com, RefugeMedical.com, promo code is Stu. It's RefugeMedical.com, promo code Stu. Some scary pictures um, today of Tiger Woods' vehicle. Uh, Tiger Woods in a car accident, I guess a one-vehicle accident this morning. Um, he was, uh, had, they had to use the jaws of life to pull him out of the car. Uh, he apparently has multiple compound fractures, not life threatening. Looks like he'll make it through it. But uh, really, I just a general recommendation: Tiger Woods should stay out of cars. This is just uh, just my own recommendation. Take it or leave it, just for the safety of uh, him and his family. Um, I also want to hit you with uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, news. Uh, Rich Lowry has a great piece uh, for National Review. Uh, about Andrew Cuomo. It's entitled, Andrew Cuomo is Everything the Press Accused Ron DeSantis of Being. Uh, He writes, throughout the pandemic, the press has been very harsh on the governor who is slow to act, unnecessarily endangered the lives of the elderly, alienated experts, and cooked the numbers. It's just thought the 
governor in question was Florida's Ron DeSantis rather than New York's Andrew Cuomo. Makes the case from the outset of the pandemic, New York state has had the highest number of deaths of any state and still does, 47,000, and the second highest death per million of anywhere in the country. And in, this, I've said this to you before, but like the second highest is because number one is New Jersey, which is just part of New York. OK, um, it's just that everybody who works in New York lives in New Jersey, or at least a lot of people are. That's why New Jersey's number one. They have a smaller population. It's, it's got nothing to do with Andrew Cuomo's success as compared to the governor of New Jersey, who also is pretty bad, but not nearly as bad as Cuomo. Anyway, in contrast, Florida is right around the national average for deaths per million. Journalists brushed right by these top line numbers in the interest of their uh, narrative building. They erupted in outrage when DeSantis was allegedly slow to close the beaches last March, but didn't dwell on much on Cuomo saying when the virus was already spreading throughout his state, quote, the facts defeat fear because the reality is assuring. We've played that for you a hundred times. I'm sorry if you're sick of it. The, they accused DeSantis of unnecessarily endangering seniors when Florida governor took steps to protect nursing homes and Andrew Cuomo infamously ordered nursing homes to accept COVID-19 patients. They claimed DeSantis was rejecting the science by, among other things, pushing to reopen the schools, an approach that has proved out. Meanwhile, experts have fled the New York public health bureaucracy in response to Cuomo's high-handedness. They bought the bogus story of a Florida data manager who was supposedly persecuted for blowing the whistle on the state's manipulation of its COVID numbers, when, of course, this is exactly what Cuomo was doing. All of this said, the virus has presented enormous challenges and excruciating choices to policymakers around the country. It's not healthy to be overly invested in red state versus blue state comparisons. But the media gleefully went all in on this game and managed to pump up the wrong governor and run down the wrong one in a failure for the ages. Rich Lowry for National Review. He's, uh, of course, 100% right on this. Uh, DeSantis has become, and it's funny, I feel like it was only a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about 2024 a little bit, and I was saying, I'm surprised you don't hear more about Ron DeSantis, uh, because, I mean, you hear about Christy Noem, and, and I like Christy Noem a lot. She, she uh, you know, definitely took a freedom-leaning approach to COVID, but really had some rough, a real rough stretch there, and her numbers are near New York's when it comes to uh, per, uh, per million uh, numbers. Um, they're not as bad as New York, but they're up there. They're top five as far as the highest. DeSantis is kind of like average, has a very old population, um, has kept the state pretty much open, and has done a really good job leaning into freedom. And, and the state has continued to run uh, very successfully under his leadership. Uh, I think he's, you know... You know, obviously, Donald Trump's the leader for 2024 if he wants to run. But if there's another guy outside of that uh, Trump sort of clan there, it's going to be probably Ron DeSantis at this very moment. But a lot of time to go. Back in a second. Joe Biden is now building cages for immigrants, of course, right? He built them during the Obama administration. He built them now. We actually had a shirt for this. Who built the cages? Remember, <laughs> who built the cages? This happened with, during the debate with Trump. And he kept saying it. Who built the cages? Well, now this is apparently going to become a thing for even longer. So if you haven't had your Who Built the Cages shirt yet, go to StuDoesMerch.com. You also got the Andrew Cuomo is awful. Nancy Pelosi sucks uh, mugs and not pens yet, but coming soon. And shirts. And you can get all that stuff uh, there. Um, before we leave, I want to tell you they have uh, moved up the release of the Bob Odenkirk movie. Uh, it's called Nobody. Um, and I think it was Sonny Bunch who wrote that uh, he was calling it Bob Wick. Like, 
<laughs> not John Wick, Bob Wick. Bob Odenkirk kicking everyone's ass. I can't believe I'm so into this. I it could be terrible. I don't know. He's everything he's in is always good, uh, in my view. I'm a big Bob, Bob Odenkirk fan, going back to season one of Mr. Show. Um, so I'm very excited about this uh, movie, and I want good things to happen for Bob Odenkirk. Uh, hopefully, I mean, look, it's time to get back to movie theaters. Think about this. We're, we started the show talking about this. Remember movie theaters? Remember going to them? Remember the things you used to like to do? And here's the thing I, I don't want you to think about. Remember it wasn't all that great and it was kind of disappointing a lot and you were in lines and you wind up being miserable half the time anyway? That's all going to come back to you really soon. So look forward to that, America. See you tomorrow.